Hello, and welcome to The Lucy Lou Show, the fueling station for your mind, business, and life. And now, here's your host, Lucy Lou. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Thank you for tuning in another episode. If you're tuning in, may all kinds of blessings follow you around all day. May love, joy, and peace be right beside you. Today on the show, I have my guest, Raina Rose. Raina is a coach, speaker, an international best-selling author, and the show host of Roku TV show, Soul Nutrition. She grew up in the jungle, traveled around the world, visited countless monasteries, and now is passionate about sharing her unique experiences to help people live a more fulfilling life and nourishing their soul. So without further ado, here's Raina. Welcome to the show, Raina. Thank you, Lucy. It's such a joy to be here. Okay, so you are all about nourishing the soul. Was there a point in life where your own soul was lost that you had to make this change? Yeah, I mean, there's been various points, but the most poignant one was my 24-year-old brother. I was 27. We were best friends. We grew up in the jungle growing up. Uh, I always joked that we were each other's best friend because we were each other's only friend half the time. And um, he died suddenly in a motorcycle crash four hours after we had been at brunch together. And I was just crushed. And before that, I had really been in this like false positivity lifestyle that, you know, it was beyond the positive, the kind of positive that you are so genuine. And mine was like, I just have to keep saying these mantras because my life, I need to keep it on the surface because I couldn't go deeper. And when my brother died, all of that false shell of positivity just broke. It was shattered. And I had to start discovering what really nourishes the deep down part of my soul. And uh, I began to meditate and get into contemplation and meet with my spiritual teacher and begin to connect truly with myself, with higher power and with other people that I just, i had always kept it on the surface before and I didn't even know it. Mm. And what helped you along the way? Well, what really helped me was, so I had started this positivity group I called the Happy Women's Society. And, you know, it was well-intentioned, but again, it was my fear of being anything but happy and positive all the time um, and not really dealing with life, right? And so one of the girls from that group, after my brother passed, I had gone from what people called the happiest girl they ever knew to like a zombie shell of that girl. And she said, even though she hurt for me and she was really sad, she said, it was the first time I saw you as human and not bulletproof. And the first time I felt comfortable opening up to you about my own problems. And that was crushing. You know, that was like, what? I didn't think that I was becoming this impenetrable wall of positivity that nobody could tell me, you know, their sorrows too. And I really lacked empathy until that awakening where she said, you know, this time that you were at your lowest, uh, was the first time I could relate to you and open up to you. And so it made me help, like help, like still be positive, still see the best in everything, of course, but also be real about the struggles and be real about, you know, this part was really hard to see the positive until it worked out, you know, and just being honest about the, the highs and the lows of life. And reading through your bio, you traveled internationally and visited numerous orphanages and monasteries. 
What's the most important thing that you've learned throughout those travels? Wow. You know, I have been blessed to just travel the whole world most of my life. And I would say in the monasteries, I really found the value of silence and hearing nature all around me. Uh, By about the third day of being in a silent monastery, I can hear the blades of grass turn into a symphony all around me as if they're little violins. And I think that, so the simplicity in happiness, because also in Russia, when I'm with my orphans, you know, these people have nothing and they are so joyful, so happy to see me. We play music and dance around the farmhouses and we don't have anything to do it with just the basics. And, you know, you got food, shelter, and a good attitude. You've got a great life. Wow. That was powerful. And you were also a former fitness professional. How is that So uh, there's this part in my book and I say, oh, what was it? My favorite movie growing up as a seven-year-old was Buns of Steel. Not a movie, you say? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but I used to steal my mom's Jane Fonda videos and they were dancing to me. You know, I would like dance around the living room and learn about burning glycogen sugar. (laughs) And I just had so much fun doing that. And someone, when I was in college, was like, why don't you try being a fitness instructor? I think you'd have fun. And I did. And I just loved, it's funny because I like natural workouts a lot better. Like I would rather be kayaking or doing something like this. So I would kind of relate to my clients. Like, look, I hate this just as much as you do. Let's make it fun fast and get the heck out of here. <laughs> you know. And so we'd make it fun, keep it engaging. And, you know, now that's kind of what I try to do for the soul. Like not everybody's down for the kind of soul work that it really takes to dive deep. You know, there's, there's some parts that are a little uh, dark and scary when you start to dive deep. That's why we don't do it as a culture, but if we can make that a little bit more enjoyable and make the process rewarding, at least then we can connect on a deeper level and not be just, you know, facade to facade, but truly soul to soul. Mm, That's beautiful. What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your journey to searching for your soul? I wish I had known, you know, we all say it's about the journey, not the destination, you know, (laughs) we all say that, but I think we don't really own it. I think I wish I would have known how to enjoy the journey more, Uh, not just go from destination and goal to goal, but enjoy. And that's something I, I, I say now is one of my main mantras for life is I want to be so present in every single moment that it's as if I lived a thousand lifetimes. And that's what I wish I had known how to be present and enjoy each moment on the way to each goal. That's so beautiful, girl. Let's talk about your book. What is it called? (laughs) It's called Sin Tastes Good. (laughs) And the subtitle is Nourishing Your Soul in an Empty Calorie World. Mm, And let's talk about that a little bit more. What are the empty calories? Sure. So, you know, it's funny. I got asked this by my publicist today. (laughs) How did you come up with that title? (laughs) And I said, you know, I think it was kind of one of those aha in the shower moments. I had been around a bunch of friends and family and they were all kind of complaining about life and how this is impossible and that didn't work out, but they were doing such bad decisions And I'm like, that's like eating a gallon of ice cream right before bed every single night and complaining that you're fat. Like, look at what you're doing, you know, (laughs) like, 
And so I realized, but the ice cream tastes good. There's something um, fulfilling in that moment. Like it might give you a bellyache an hour later or even 10 minutes later, but something in that moment tastes good. And so whether it was like gossiping in that moment that tasted good for their soul, you know, cause it was kind of like putting down someone else, or if it would, you know, these things I would call, and I, in the book, I define sin as it's supposed to be defined, which is just missing the mark. We don't need to add guilt and shame onto that. And so maybe they're missing the mark by just taking the lazy path rather than what was going to be good for them later on. And then, you know, sit around and complain about why it didn't work out. And so that's why I named the book Sin Tastes Good. Cause you know what? The pizza tastes good in the moment. The ice cream tastes good in the moment. And you know, I'm, I'm also like not against having junk food now and then at all. And we need to be graceful with ourselves in our bodies and our souls. But if we're constantly putting in junk and then wondering why we feel lethargic and apathetic and not living our best lives, we need to acknowledge that and see what kind of junk am I putting in? And if I change that, would I have a better outcome? So I was in a mastermind call with uh, our group and guilt and shame was one of the first mm-hmm. things that came up because we're putting on a summit next year and we're brainstorming the topics that we're going to speak about. And I think shame and guilt came yeah. up numerous times mm-hmm. for women. It comes in all different forms. You know, you feel guilty about everything you can do. Mm -hmm. You can feel shame about every action you take in life if you choose to. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think our society and particularly religion has really been set up to shame us, shame us for anything. You know, now we're starting to realize how much we've slut shamed and fat shamed and all kinds of shamed of things that, you know, it's ridiculous or things you can't even help and people are being shamed for it. And we really look back again in in religion, you see all this guilt and shame and guilt and shame and you got to feel bad for this and bad for that. But really, you know, I come from a Christian perspective. We look at Christ came to give grace, you know, came not to say like go around and murder people and don't feel bad about it. Nothing like that. But you know, like we're all human. No one can live the perfect life. And so have grace and try to do better the next time. And so sin, the real definition of it, when we get down to the Greek means missing the mark. And we think of archery. And so you think if you've ever maybe at camp as a kid tried archery, uh, you know, you probably didn't hit the target the first time, but you don't call that kid a failure and tell him he sucks and walk off the field. Right. (laughs) What you do is you say, Hey, like try to aim a little more left. I think you'll get it. And I think that's what we've really missed in spirituality is we say like, oh, you didn't do it perfect. You need to just call yourself a failure and walk off the field. When instead we can say, hey, you didn't hit the mark. But if you go just a little bit to the left, I think you'll hit the target this time. Let's try a new avenue. Because when you guilt and shame, people just walk off the field. I'm no good at this. I'm going to stop. And so I think it's so important to take the guilt and shame out of it. And this doesn't mean we just want to keep missing the target and keep missing it up. It means, okay, what do I need to tweak so that my life hits the target and I live that heaven on earth that I'm that I'm shooting for? Heaven on earth. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that terminology. And failure is an event. You mm-hmm. can fail multiple times, you know, in businesses or in some people consider their marriage failures, but it, it's not a word to describe you. So you can even have failures, but it doesn't make you a failure. It's not a terminology to describe a person. It's only a simple event. And it can be an event that hasn't finished. So at the end, this event can still be successful if you choose it to be. 
Absolutely. And there's no successful person who hasn't had many failures. In fact, you know, almost the opposite is true. If you don't have many failures throughout your life, you may end up being a failure, you know, but you know, to be a success, you really have to go out and take a lot of risks, take some leaps and fail sometimes, and then fail better next time and fail better next time. And that's where, you know, when it comes to lifestyle and behaviors and things, um, the whole book is not to say, this is the right way. And this is the wrong way. It actually doesn't, it doesn't name any sins and it doesn't answer any questions. What it really does is ask new questions because a lot of times we haven't asked ourselves these new questions that will help us see what we really want on our individual journey. And it's, you know, if you want, you know, I'm just going to use the example of a loving family with a great husband and a couple of kids in a house that's paid off, maybe even probably one night stands and racking up a bunch of debt isn't going to get you there. You know, like, If you have different goals, then go ahead and do those things. But if your goal is, you know, loving relationship, monogamy, and no debt, like racking up credit cards and, you know, sleeping around isn't maybe your way of getting there. And so it is not saying, you know, if that's someone else's goal, do your thing, chicken wing, you know, (laughs) but, and that, and that's also the thing is having grace with others that their goals aren't your goals and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. We give grace to others and ourselves, mm-hmm. right? But you want to be with people who have, you want to be surrounded with people who have the same goals and visions as you. Definitely. And again, we go back to that shaming, you know, say your vision is the, the family and the monogamy and all you don't slut shame the person next door, you know, like you don't fat shame someone because you're in shape and they're not, you just live your life the best you can. And if you're an example and an inspiration to someone who wants to get in shape, awesome. You know, but you don't say, Hey, I'm in shape and you're not, and you need to be like me. And I think especially in religious circles, that's kind of what we've done and really want to take that out of the vocabulary is that I did this so great and you need to be like me, but instead I'm living my best life. I'm super joyful. And now you want to ask me questions because you're like, Hey, you're shining and I want to have that beautiful glow that you have. You know, it's not, we don't need to force our beliefs or our lifestyles on people because when we shine so brightly, like you do Lucy Lou, like people just want to have a piece of that. And so you don't have to go out and say, Hey, I'm positive. I'm great. And you need to be positive too. People see it in you. People see how brightly you shine. And they said, I want some of that. You know, I'm going to hire you as a coach because I want what you have. That's what Sin Tastes Good is all about, is how do we live in a way that makes people want what we have? And then we can share it because they're asking for it. Mm, Yes. And we're not just bragging. And Mm -hmm. it's not bragging if it's the truth. That's right. And it shines so so brightly that, you know, you talk about it naturally. You don't have to brag. Mm, I love it. So on those low days that you might have, what's the favorite quote that you go by? Well... One of my favorite quotes, not necessarily for a low day, is just the grass is always greener where you water it. But for a low day, honestly, it's not necessarily a quote. It's more of silence. One thing I really like to make a practice of is feeling my emotions. You know, like I said, I really had a history of kind of skipping over them and just trying to put a happy sticker on top. And sometimes I'll even go into fasting 
where for me, when my brother died, I unintentionally fasted for a month. So if I do like a three day fast, I almost never actually get hungry, but I'll notice I'll go to the cupboard or the fridge and I'll open it up and I'll stare into it and I'll realize, wait a second, I'm fasting. And what I ask myself next is what emotion am I trying not to feel by going to the fridge or the cupboard? And usually it's frustration, you know, like you deal with a lot with your clients. I'm stuck in this place. And I, but if you don't acknowledge the stuckness, if you don't acknowledge the frustration, then you just keep going through frustrated with happy stickers on top and you never solve what's frustrating you or keeping you stuck. And so for me, it's not necessarily getting, saying anything, but listening, listening, what comes up. Am I stuck? Okay. Where am I stuck? And asking deeper questions so that I can figure out where I need help and then go get the help I need, you know, maybe call up Lucy Lou and say, Hey, you know, I need some coaching. I'm a little stuck here. Can you help me out? And because we can't see our own blind spots, we need help. We need coaches around us. And so I think it's important to get still figure out what you're feeling and get the help you need. Thank you for giving us that wisdom. Where can our audience find you at? So they can go to my website, which is www.reina-rose.com, which is R-E-I-N-A-R-O-S-E.com. And the book release is coming out Thanksgiving, 2020. It will be on Amazon. Sin Tastes Good is the main title, Nourishing Your Soul in an Empty Calorie World. And then you can find me on Instagram too. I'm the soul nutritionist with the little underscores under the word. And um, you can keep track of giveaways and all the times that the book's launching, I think we're going to create a course around the book for those who just can't get enough. (laughs) So you can find me website, Instagram. Also, if you are watching Lucy Lou right now, and you're just really loving what you're hearing, feel feel free to email me. My email is the same Raina at Raina-Rose.com. So I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. To all the beautiful souls listening, thank you for joining me on this episode of The Lucy Liu Show. When I'm not podcasting, I am coaching high-achieving women in life transitions, getting unstuck, kissing overwhelmed goodbye, and living a more joyful and fulfilled life through strategic goal-setting and mindset transformation. It would mean the world to me if you subscribe, rate, or share this with a friend. And don't forget to join me for the next episode. Remember, there is always a way and more blessings are coming your way. For free resources and show notes, head over to lucylucoaching.com. 